Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. So, today, if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 through 12. 2 Corinthians, okay? If you don't know what that is, flip halfway in your Bible till you get to the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, okay? I want you to go there, um, and we're going we to read together. 2 Corinthians 9. Oh, and if you're joining us online, man, we love y'all. Thank you so much. I love. Can we give it up for our online family one time? The notes from today's message are all in the app, so you can follow along that way. Um, but let me see, where's my real, like, Bible-loving people? You bring, like, leather-bound Bibles to church. Come on, come on, put them phones down. You can't cast out a demon with an iPhone. Come on. Huh? He said, it's the same word. What about when your battery dies? You can't see that word. Okay. I'm just kidding. It is the same word. Praise God. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 12 reads... Now he who has supplied, now he who supplies seed to the sower, I love that. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply. That's a good place to say amen. Will supply and multiply your store of seed and will increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous on every occasion so that through us your giving will produce thanksgiving to God. For this ministry of service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. That's a great place to say. Today in this third part of Family Matters, the cool value that I want to introduce to you is generosity. So if you're taking notes, I've entitled it this, The Blessing of Generosity. The Blessing of Generosity. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. For this is the day that you have made, God, let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, I thank you that before the earth began to spin on this axis, you knew each and every person that was going to be here today. God, I pray that I would lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words come from me. Let them come directly from you. God, thank you for another trip around the sun so that I can make you famous. And I pray that by the time this is all said and done, somebody meets Jesus. Maybe they've never met him before and they meet him today, or maybe they've known him, but they've been separated from him. I pray today that they come home. God, I pray that this word will touch hearts, minds, and ears of everyone here. But more than anything, I just pray that someone will meet Jesus. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody set. Everybody set. Somebody, anybody, take about five seconds and give Jesus Christ a shout of praise in this place today.
Amen. I don't like giving verses without giving context. So I want to kind of wrap your, your mind around the context of the passage in Corinthians that I first read. Because sometimes humans take things in the Bible and take them out of context. If you don't understand the history behind the verses, if you don't know who was being spoken to, um, if you don't understand the heart of the author as they wrote it, what you will do, what you will find yourself doing is adding things and taking things away from Scripture. And the Bible gives us a warning in Revelations. It says, don't add anything to this and don't take anything away or you will be judged. I don't want my life to be judged because I tried to put myself in this book. I want to make sure I'm giving you as much clarity as I can. I don't even know if I do it well week to week, but I am praying that God gives me grace to continue to do it. And I'm telling you as your pastor, I'm, I constantly commit myself to study so that I can give you the best presentation of the gospel possible. My theology is growing. It is evolving. I don't have the answers to everything. But I believe that God is revealing things to me through this word. So for accountability's sake, here's what I'm asking you to do as a congregation. Never be a congregation of believers that accept the word blindly that I am giving you from this pulpit. Don't be that. Don't be that. I want you to fact check me. I want you to go and read for yourself and see what revelation God gives you. I'm giving you an interpretation I believe that he has given me. But the beautiful thing about theology, it's something that we need to have constant discussions about. It's something that we need to really, really, we need to rest in this word and pray for God to reveal things to us. But that's another good reason for connect groups, because as you're making your charcuterie board, as you're uh, connecting with single moms or single dads, you should be discussing things in the Bible to try to gain different understanding on it as well. That's what the congregation, that's why it says do not forsake the gathering of the saints. Not only is there encouragement in the body, but we can learn something from one another by continuing to rest on God's word. Amen? So, Paul, the apostle Paul, who was Saul, but he has a Damascus Road experience. He literally is blinded. He sees Jesus in the road. Jesus says, why are you persecuting me, Saul? And he changes his life, and he suffers, he suffers many things for the gospel. I mean, he's shipwrecked. He's, he's beaten. He's snake-bitten. He's been imprisoned many a times, but he writes about two-thirds of the New Testament that we constantly read. And the interesting thing here is on Paul, Paul had many missionary journeys, three that the Bible talks about specifically. And on his second missionary journey, he founds this church um, named the Church of Corinth. Corinth is the place that it was founded. It would have been an affluent place. And he finds believers there and he starts the church as the apostle. He sets up the church and he continues to go on different missionary journeys, planting churches and setting up pastors over those churches to look out for them. And while Paul is on his journey, after he set up the church, he plants the church, he goes on the missionary journey and he starts to hear things that are happening in this church. And how many of you know that you could start something, but if you step away from it for a while, things can start to go crazy. 
This is what happens in the church in Corinth. I mean, they started out so well. They were amazing givers. I mean, they held nothing back. They really understood and they believed in the gospel that Paul was teaching them, a gospel about Jesus. But the longer he was away, people started to stray far away from that. And there were these people that came up in the church that were trying to discredit the message of Paul. They were even trying to discredit the gospel of Jesus. So Paul has to write these letters um, as two-part, corrective and encouraging. He encourages, he encourages them for the things that they do well, but he corrects the things that they have so sideways. How many of you know correction is always best received when it is uh, 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 followed up with some encouragement? Nobody just wants to hear all the stuff they're doing bad. They want to know what they're doing well. Okay, where'd I get the A? Tell me what I did good in so I can keep pushing that and then I can start making adjustments on the things I'm not doing good in. So Paul does both of those things. And while he's in Macedonia, Macedonia, they had a church there that was not as affluent as the church in Corinth. But as Paul is in Macedonia, he hears all the stuff that's going on and he writes a letter to the church in Corinth to prepare them because Paul needs to collect an offering for the Christians that are in Jerusalem under persecution. Some, some of them have found themselves in poverty. Um, uh, some of them have been disenfranchised. And Paul, as the apostle of the church, is literally trying to collect an offering so that he can send as aid to them. Because how many of you know that if the government won't do it, it's always been the church's job to take care of the community. So Paul says, hey, I'm, I'm rounding up this offering because we about to help some people. We about to serve this city. And he's in Macedonia and he's so encouraged because they don't have what the church in Corinth has, but these people are giving like crazy. I mean, they, I mean, they, they are overflowing in thanksgiving to God. And they're just giving everything they got and they're out giving everybody. So Paul writes this letter and by the time we get to chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, he tells them and he starts comparing their, their gift to the Macedonian church saying, man, these people just got hearts of generosity. He's like, man, you guys started that way. But I've been hearing some things and I got to start realigning you and getting you back to the place that you were. You have more to give, but they are out giving you, not necessarily because they are giving more in amount. They're giving more with their heart. So Paul writes this letter to them to encourage them. And when you get to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, it is some of the most comprehensive teaching that we have in the New Testament about generosity. If you really want to understand what a generous heart should look like, you should see Paul's appeal. He's trying to set them up because he's going to send brothers there to collect the offering. He's like, hey, man, y'all don't embarrass me because I've been bragging about how amazing y'all are. And when somebody comes, make sure that you have the gift prepared. Make sure you give with a cheerful heart. Don't let them come and you're like, here. When they get there, they're like, man, whoo! We've been waiting for y'all. Like, come ready to give. Come, come with an expectant heart. Nobody should have to pull it out of you. It should just be in your heart to do. And when you do it, do it with a smile. These are the things that Paul is trying to encourage them in. And I know the, the, the elephant in the room right now, especially for the person that maybe this is your first time or maybe this, this church stuff is new to you. You're like, of course, the first Sunday I come into this house, the pastor with the silk shirt want to start talking about money. Because some of y'all think that's all we do. 
And church has gotten such a bad rap because of it. And because of that, there's been a lot of improper notions about generosity in God's house. Like, for example, one thing that, that trips me out, like people think that people think that like tithe and offering is the same thing. It's not. As a matter of fact, people think tithe is generosity. It's not. Tithe is not generosity. Tithe is obedience. It's obedience. This is not, this is the thing like we don't really have a choice in. That's why there's a number attached to it. It's 10%. 10% of everything that belongs to God that he allows us to steward should go back to him. 10%. It's not a number that I made up, but it is one that we find in God's word. Tithe is not an issue of generosity. Something like, oh, I was so generous today, I gave my tithe. You're not generous. You're not. You're obedient, praise God, and you're honoring God, but you're not generous. Malachi 3.10, and you've heard this verse a million times if you've been in church, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Whose house? God's house. Test me in this. I love this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I love that the Bible says, test me in this. As a matter of fact, these are God's words. So I love that God says, test me in the tithe. But you know the funny thing? The tithe is less of a, less of a test for God than it is for us. Like, yes, he says, I know I'm good for it, so test me. But really, when we look at this, we need to really look at that and say, I already know God's going to come through. Will I? The tithe is less of a test for God and it is more of a test for us because when you tithe you're only returning what does not belong to you anyway God I got bills he says I, I hear you but if you trust me first I'm gonna make sure that you live better on the 90 than you did on the 100 test, test me in this he says that, but in essence, we need to test ourselves. Am I willing to release this? Am I willing to do this? Tithe is obedience. Offering anything over and above that, that's when you start to step into the realm of generosity. And today, I want to take a moment to talk about generosity because generosity is not an obedience issue. It's a heart issue. For what does the Bible say? My wife already read the verse in Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Generosity is a heart issue. So, in essence, your treasure should be the mirror of your heart to God. Because whatever or wherever your treasure is, your heart will be also Here's a better way to say it. If you want an accurate measure of your relationship with God, take a look at your checkbook. Some of y'all offended by that. If you come to this house 52 weeks out the year 
and you listen to what I'm teaching and preaching 365 days out the year and I don't offend you once, that's a problem. Because the Bible's very offensive. I'm not here to say what you like. I'm here to say what the word says. It says where your treasure is, your heart will be also, if you want an accurate measure of where your relationship is with God, look at your checkbook. Look at your credit card statement. You can go right now on your Wells Fargo app and see what you spend on. Look at your balance sheet. Notice where your finances are going. They will tell you exactly what you're devoted to. Some of you devoted to the hair and nail shop. Some of you devoted to the Starbucks God. I'll be nicer late next week, I promise. <laughs> Some of you devoted to the shape up. I am not devoted to that. Some of you are devoted to the sneaker gods. Some of you are devoted to the high heel gods. <laughs> I like when people can be honest. You come in, that was for me. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things. But when they take precedence, like, just be real practical. Look at the percentage of where your money goes. Just break it down for yourself. I'll, I'll be very transparent with you, okay? The Bible is already telling us that 10% of everything that we have already belongs to God. So a minimum of 10% of your finances should go to God. People are like, with the tithe, Pastor, what you do? You do it on, on the net or the gross? What's Uncle Sam taking your taxes out of? So, so you, you gonna give God a percentage of a percentage? But you give Uncle Sam all he wants? Okay, good for you. 10% of everything that I have belongs to God. I can confidently stand here, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to brag, because God had to check me on this a long time ago. People, Pastor, how you live in the abundant life? Because more than 10% of my finances, I could pull up a balance sheet and show you, they go back to God. I wasn't looking for a clap. I'm just telling you the truth. Honestly, the Wilson household stays at about 15 to 20%. How you live on the 80? Because I'm obedient to what God tells me to do. It's not rocket science. The more I give, the more comes back to me. It just is what it is. I, I wish I could explain it to you. But when God says test me, I'm like, okay. Okay. 10 was cool. I'm going to test you a little bit more. Because at the end of the day, I want my bank statements to reflect where my heart is. It's not an easy word for some of y'all to process, but it's truth. Why? Why, why? why is that something you're so concerned about, Pastor? Because generosity is the way that I guard my heart against greed. I wish I could like preach it up. I could be like, generosity, yes, is the, no. Generosity is how I guard my heart against greed. I don't want to be a greedy person. I want to be a stingy person. I want to be a person that keeps everything to myself. So I give what I have 
Because every time I give what I have, I'm killing that demon of greed in me. I'm killing it. I don't want that to live in me. It's important because I want the things that matter to me the most to be the things that govern my life. I care about generosity, so I try to do things that are generous at all times. So here's what generosity means at Cool Church as a value. If you could put up the value grid. I've been doing this each and every week. You should take a picture of this, and you should be making your own core values for your own life. This is just the way that we come up with them uh, in this house. So the value is generosity. Here's the clarifying statement. This is what it means. It's a blessing to give, because we always say generosity is a blessing. You probably hear us say that every week. It's a blessing to give. The blessing is in the act, not only in what is received. You understand that? Because some people it's like, oh, I got, but somebody just blessed me because you got something. But what if your mentality shifted to say, man, it's a blessing when I can give. The blessing is in the act, not only in what is received. We give our time, talent, and treasure. Generosity is not about money. It's about your heart. We're talking about money because it's a thing that so many of us are attached to. We give our time, talent, and treasure. Here's the determinant discipline. This is what it should look like for you practically on a daily basis. Every day, we thank God for what he has blessed us with by being good stewards of the blessing. Every day, here's ways we can do that. We budget our finances, and the church said, and we balance our time well. Some of y'all all over the place and can't get nothing done. Why? Because you're not a good steward of your time. Right? We pay our debts on time, Lord Jesus. Some of y'all are creditors call. Click, click. No, pick it up. Answer. Start fixing the problem. Stop running from the problem. You're not being a good steward of God if you got to hide from people that you owe money to. Pay it. You're not... <laughs> You're not meant to be a borrower. You're meant to be a lender. You can never be a lender if people are still looking for you because you have not finished paying back what you have borrowed. Pay your debts on time. And the church said, we give and we do it with a cheerful heart. We happy about it. We're excited. We use our time and talents to serve others inside and outside of God's house. If this is the only place you're serving, that's a problem. Serve your community, serve your family, be generous with that, right? We use our treasure, our finance, to advance the kingdom of God on earth by being obedient. I did not say generous because it's right. Obedient in, temper, in the 10% tithe and generous over with our over and above offerings, Okay, that's when we start to really see God do crazy stuff because he says, oh, you've been obedient and you're going beyond obedience. It's like extra credit with God. And the church said we go over and above. And that's when we start to see supernatural happen in our finances. Here's the Bible verse, the one I already read, 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 12. I won't read it again, but it's right there. And if you want a value to really stick, you have to understand the opposite of that value. So if generosity is a blessing, then we are not greedy or stingy. And the church said, Amen. we understand we are not the source of our blessing. We are not the source of our blessing. It's hard to be greedy when generosity is 
a blessing. Like, I get excited about being generous, man, because, like, I'm not waiting for the blessing after I give. Like, for me, giving is the blessing. So me and my wife, we celebrated 15 years of marriage last Thursday. Love you, girl. You leave me, I'm going with you. But she knows how I am. Every, every year, like, I get excited around our anniversary, right? So, so what, I, what I do, like, I get excited because I know I, I, like, get her real nice gifts and I do it on purpose. Tell me if this is true or not. Don't lie. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. Okay. I do this every year. Every for 15 years, what time do I give you your gift? Did Because I want to see her reaction to the thought that I put into giving her something because she is special to me. I wish there would be some people in this room that get excited about the act of giving. Three things to remember to truly understand the blessing of generosity and we'll get out of here. And the first is this. Generosity is a blessing when you realize it all belongs to God and he is generous. Like, when we're generous, we're the most like God. Why is that? Because God so loved the world that he... You know your Bibles. Everything ever given that is good comes from God. He's the owner of everything. Second Corinthians gave you the context. Nine ten says, "Now he who supplies seed to the sower." You can underline that. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your store of seed and will increase the harvest of your righteousness. True generosity flows out of an understanding that God owns everything. It's so hard for some people to be generous because they think they own it. But real generosity says, I own nothing. God owns everything. So the principle that we really need to lock into is that all we have belongs to God. And he has temporarily entrusted us to oversee what he has given us according to his will and wishes. We are I like to put it, put it like this. We're managers over God's household business. We're managers. That's who we are. Like it trips me out when like I watch some of these TV shows with like these preteens the, with all this teenage angst and, and their parents will be getting on them. And, 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 and like the, the kid, he, he yells, he or she yells this out. Mom, get out of my room. Get out of my What? Get out of my room. This is my private space. It's my, what? It's mine. It's my stuff. Get out of my room. Mom. Dad. My, what? My room? My, I wish Baba would put my room in my house. My, my? Like Johnny, get my, my, my? My, 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 my. It ain't your room tonight. Sorry. It's my room. It's not your room. Have you paid one mortgage payment in my house? If you have not paid a mortgage payment in my house, then it is my room. Mine. What? My room. 
kids growing up with the wrong understanding about what is theirs. I wish I would have said my room and my mama house or my daddy house. My what? My parents, my parents let, let all the kids know it, we had no rooms. And let me let you know, like, my brother left for the military, my sister left for college, I eventually left for college. When we came back, my sister's room was gone. They had literally knocked down the walls and expanded, made an open concept. They turned me and my brother's room into an office. They was like, what room? We didn't want y'all to come back. My? 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 No, it's my room. I allow you to stay here. I allow you to sleep here. I've given you everything that you need to grow as a healthy human being. I've, I've provided security and shelter for you. I've provided things so that you can grow up in a loving, caring household. But this does not belong to you. This is mine. It ain't yours. It's been given to you for a season to steward properly. Like, I wouldn't care about your room being a mess if it wasn't my room. You can live in, I don't want my room in my house to stink. Because you're leaving sandwiches under the bed. Take care of my stuff that is on loan to you. Like, God, I love this, because he blesses us with all type of things. But so many of us get it wrong because we get the blessing and we think it belongs to us. My house, my car, my husband, my wife, my kids, my job. You had that my on there. You, 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 you have an ego about things that don't belong to you. You all know what ego means. It means edging God out. You have taken God out of the equation and put yourself in his place because now it belongs to you because you're saying it never belonged to him. It's not yours. It's his. God's blessed us with these things. And when we come to the realization that it all belongs to God, you begin to think so differently about it, don't you? Like, like... It's fun when you, when you know it belongs to God. Because here's the thing about your stuff that you think is yours belonging to God. If it is his, then guess what? He, has, he is obligated to take care of it. I owned a car for 15 years. My last truck before the truck I got now, I owned it. I bought it. I paid it off. It lasted me for 15 years. I took care of that thing like it was the greatest thing on the planet. I had it painted. I did everything I could. I put a sound system in it. And then it was finally time for me to trade that thing in. And it gave me money to get the car that I have now. But the car that I have now is a lease. So within my lease payment, guess what is included in my lease payment? Maintenance. Because it ain't my car. It belongs to the dealer. So the dealer has a vested interest in something that I am using. I'm paying to use it, but it ain't mine. So when my car breaks down, I take it to the dealer and I say, how much did it cost to fix? They're like, Mr. Wilson, you are, maintenance is already included. 
We will take care of this vehicle for you. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but some of y'all been trying so hard to take care of your stuff. And the problem is the reason you got to work so hard to take care of it is because you think it's yours. But if you just let it belong to God the way that it should be, you won't have to worry because he's going to take care of it for you. You are required to steward it, but I promise you he will be the one that makes that thing last as long as it needs to last. Why? Because he has a purpose for you in using that thing that he has called you to use so he will make sure that the thing lasts so that you can use it the way that he has called you to. If you believe it, say amen. amen. It ain't mine. It's God's. So I wake up every day like, God, what are we going to do with your money today? Like, you think, like, we get to spend God's money. It's, it's something when you're spending your own money. It's real fun when you get to spend other people's money. I love spending God's money. I love it. Who are we going to help with your finances today, God? Huh? huh? Hey, what are we going to do with this air you gave me today? This breath of mine. Hey, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? It changes your mentality when you know it's not yours. God, how, how I'm going to bless this family that you gave me today. How much time I'm going to spend with this kid that you gave me today that be getting on my nerves? I love him. You think about it differently when you understand that they belong to God and not you. Everything in our lives, if we look upon it like a gift from God, then we know that we only have one obligation. It's to steward it. The car that you drive that constantly backfires on you and it sounds like a drive-by when you come down the road <laughs> is a gift. Because there are people with no car. It's a gift generously given to you by God. Be thankful. The place that you lived, that you loved once but is now too small, is a gift generously given to you by God. The job that you beg God for but now you want to quit is a gift. Generously given to you by God because there's a bunch of folks that wish they had your job. The spouse that you cannot stand because he leave his drawers on the ceiling fan or she don't know how to cook is a gift. You married him that way. You married him nasty and not know how to cook. <laughs> they are a gift. Generously given to you by God. Them kids that drive you crazy are a gift. Generously given to you by God. Them parents. Them parents that always ask you to come over and fix the printer. <laughs> Terry, why the internet not working? I need you to come fix the internet. I don't understand this cloud thing. The parents that call you to do stuff that you don't want to do are a gift generously given to you by God. Oh, man. 
when you know it does not belong to you, you take better care of it. Like, I, you ever borrowed somebody's car before? Yeah. Or you rent a car, you know? When you borrow a vehicle, like, if I ever borrow somebody's vehicle, like, I don't drive how I drive in my vehicle. I drive differently. Because I don't want nothing to happen while I'm in their vehicle. It's all along. I don't even park the same. In my vehicle, I look for the closest parking spot. And they vehicle, I park all the way at the end of the parking lot. I don't want you parking around me. I don't want no little ding, dance, scratch, because I don't want them coming back to me. And before I give you your car back, I fill it back up with gas. And if I really like you, I'll have it washed. If I really, oh, something else, oh, I ain't never do that. That's why nobody lets you hold their car. Why do I do that? Because it's not mine. Like, I want to leave it better, in a better condition than I found it. Why? Because when I operate like that, you know what I'm doing? I'm developing trust. Trust. What if I told you God allowed you to loan, to borrow these things because he was trying to develop trust in you? He wants to know if he can trust you. Like at the end of the day, I do the best I can with things that don't belong to me because I want to be trusted. You want a better car? Can God trust you with the car he gave you? I never understood like when the inside of people car dirty, what you doing in there? Like all you doing is driving. What, what you doing? Got Cheetos, Fruit Loops, I got kids, I get them to clean it. You want a bigger home? God trust you with the one he gave you? One last time you slapped the coat of paint on that thing. One last time you cut the grass. Homes require maintenance. You gotta take care of it. If you want the next thing, you want a better job, can God trust you with the one you got? One last time you actually showed up one time. Better yet, one last time you came early and stayed late. One last time you actually did what your boss asked you to do with a smile on your face. So y'all laughing because it's real. <laughs> Want your marriage to be better? Will God trust you with the one he gave you? He trusts you to love that spouse? Can trust you to, to honor and respect that spouse that he gave you? Or you're going to keep talking junk behind their back when they ain't there. You're going to keep disrespecting them and say, God, I want my, you come to church, but God, I want my marriage to be better. And then you disrespectful the moment you walk out these doors. You think God trusts you? Some of you are looking for God to save your marriage when you being respectful can save it. Look for God to save your marriage when you being honorable can save it. Like, it doesn't take much. It's just a little adjustment. You want your kids to be better? God trusts you to spend time with the ones you have. You're worried about where they're picking stuff up from, but they're spending more time with their friends than they are with you. And that's where their influence is coming from. When it's up to you to pour godly character into them. Tell my child when she wake up, hey, go read your Bible. Go read a verse. Tell me what you read. Her friends at school ain't telling her that. She's only getting that from home. I know she's with them more than she is with me, so the time that she's with us is quality. Yeah. 
You want your parents to be blessed? God trusts you to honor the ones he gave you. Honor them. It's funny because you're like, Mom, my parents get on my nerves. You're going to be the main one crying when they ain't here no more. <laughs> All parents, I'm not going to say can be annoying, <laughs> but they have issues. I'm, I'm looking at my kid and she looks at me like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but let something happen to me. Oh my God, Dad. <laughs> my parents, man, I, I love them. They could drive me at the wall, but man, something happened to them. God trusts me to honor them. I love you, Dad. Love you, Mom. I trust you to honor them while they're here. Because all them empty tears at the funeral when you was being disrespectful in life don't mean nothing. Man, let me <laughs> come back next week. I'll be nicer. <laughs> the deeper issue that God is trying to get us to understand is that there's a trust issue. He has to understand, you have to understand, none of this is mine. Can God trust me with what he has given me? And see, when you know everything comes from God, you treat it as such, and he can trust you with more. How many of y'all want to be trusted with more today? Amen. Number two, generosity is a blessing when you realize you've been blessed to bless others. 2 Corinthians 9-11. You will be enriched in every way to be generous on every occasion so that through us your giving will produce thanksgiving to God. You will be enriched in every way to be generous. Enriched to be generous on every occasion. God blesses us because he's a good God. That's what he does. He loves us and wants us to prosper. But there's a reason that he blesses us abundantly. The definition of abundance is more than you need for what is required, more than what is required. So if God is giving you more than what is required, what are you supposed to do with the leftovers? God has an agenda. He blesses us so we can bless others. That's just how it works. He blesses us so we can bless others. When we're generous, God often gives us more so we can give more. Somebody said, oh, God gave me more. Whoa, let me hold on. No, God gave you more. Are you looking to see who else needs a blessing? My wife uh, told a testimony a couple weeks back, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of her because she's a phenomenal CEO and businesswoman. Uh, she runs our company, Cool Creative, um, and she's phenomenal. And uh, through her work and diligence, man, she got us in um, to Nordstrom's for... It was the first time Nordstrom's had ever did a, a pop-up shop. We were there for three days for small businesses, for, for black small businesses. First time ever in the history. And they did it at a few places in the country. They did it in New York, Chicago, uh, I think LA, Atlanta, and in Miami, in uh, Aventura Mall. And we were in Nordstrom's last weekend for, for three days with, with eight other designers. Some people made candles, some people made clothes, some people uh, made, they, they made all kinds of different things, but we were right there on the main floor of Nordstrom. Shout out to everybody that came by. We appreciate you, thanks for the love, thanks for the support, appreciate that. But it was, it was cool, because Nordstrom's, 
We've done pop-ups before, but this one was cool because Nordstrom is, is, a, is, a, is a national brand, right? So I love this because they say, hey, we want you to set up in our, in, your, in our shop. We want you to sell your stuff. We don't want one cent from you. We just want you to set up and we want you to sell and 100% of your profits go back into your business. It's beautiful. Never happened before in the history of the company. But this was the fun part, because I was like, man, this is a blessing. We're being blessed. We got to meet the other designers, and I, I love me and my wife, but I love the vibe that was there, because you know, you could get into stuff like that, and there could be like an air of competition. Yeah. That's not it. We start talking to each other. We start vibing. We start learning about each other's profit, uh, uh, products. Me and my wife literally went to every booth, and we purchased stuff from every person that was there, because we ain't haters, right? But then on top of that, the, get, the, the doors of the store started to open. And for three days, I'm talking about flooded with people. We, so, we literally, we sold everything we had. And it was, it was crazy because some of the other designers and stuff that was there, they were seeing like the traffic and stuff we were getting. And you know what we did? We were like, hey, if you like this, you need to go buy some of that. Or you need to go buy, oh, I, I just bought one of these candles. I lit it up. It's, oh, it made my house smell so good. I know you like this stuff. Thank you for, but you need to go support them. What we started to do is share the blessing that God was bringing on us. By the end of it, like, we know we made, like, some real lifelong friends from the endeavor, but the same way we were doing it, they were doing it back to us. It's like, man, you like this brand? You need to go check out Cool Creative because their stuff is crazy. And all we were doing all weekend long, we had synergy, we had love, and we were sending clients to each other. By the end of it, all of us made out well. Why? Because... We weren't competing. And I believe that God flooded our shop not just to bless us, but to spread the blessing around so that everyone could be blessed. Here's a word of the Lord for somebody out there in business or just in life. Stop trying to compete or compare and share. Social media will make you think you got to be better than somebody. When the truth of the matter is, there's enough out there for all of us. Don't compete, don't compare, share. Jesus himself was quoted in Acts 20, 35 by saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I love what Proverbs eleven twenty five says, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. That word refresh means give new strength or energy to. God will energize you in order to energize others. God wants to refresh you to make others around you fresh too. Man, I feel like Nelson right now. I, I, I love this because I don't know when it happened. But I feel like the church of 2022 has gotten away from something that the early church knew. I don't know when it happened, but the Bible that I read tells me in the early church in Acts 
chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. Man, if we could get this right here, I literally have preached this exact same text on the very first day that this house opened, and I'll never stop preaching it because it gives me a beautiful picture of what church looks like. Acts 4, 32 through 35. The multitude of believers was one in heart and soul. No, listen to this. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. They knew it wasn't theirs because they knew it belonged to God. But they shared everything they owned. With great power, the apostles continued to give their testimony about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And abundant grace was on them all. Didn't just say some. Abundant grace was on them all. Listen. There were no needy ones among them. There were no needy ones among them because why? It's a practical reason. Those who own lands or houses would sell their property and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet for distribution for anyone as he had need. The early church understood the concept of family and generosity and love because they took care of one another. No one claimed ownership over anything. As I like, man, if I got it, you got it. If we got it, we good. We take care of one another. They gave what they had and there was no needy among them. I wish that there would be a church in 2022 that gave so much that not one of us needed help. That's why they were blessed. We're blessed when we give through alignment and assignment. Right people, right place, right time. The time is now. The place is here. The people are all around you. There are literally people that you might be sitting next to that don't know where their next meal is going to come from. And then there's some of us that are eating really good, too good. What would happen if there was a church where it didn't matter who we were sitting next to, we knew everybody was taken care of? That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. You see, if we got hurting folks in this church, it's because somebody decided to hold back when they should have decided to help. You see, we don't gain to attain. We don't gain to maintain, we gain to sustain others around us. This is what generosity does. See, I don't want a church full of people that need miracles. And don't misquote me when I say what I'm saying. I need miracles, but they're not financial miracles. But the reality is, I don't want a church full of people that need miracles. I want the church to be the place of miracle workers. I want you to be a miracle worker because you're so blessed. Because money might not be your issue, but money might be a miracle for somebody else. You can hold it to yourself. You can be greedy. You can be stingy. Or you can sow into fertile soil. Sow seed into fertile soil, the house of God, and trust that God's will will be done when you are generous because if he is blessing you abundantly, it is not for you to hoard to yourself. It's so that you can be a blessing to someone else. God blesses you to bless others. Amen? Amen. And finally, as the man comes back up, generosity is a blessing when you understand generosity is a service that causes thanksgiving 
to the original giver. I'll say that again because I want you to get that in your heart. Generosity is a blessing when you understand generosity is a service that causes thanksgiving to the original giver. 2 Corinthians 9.12 For this ministry of service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving to God. Whether you're on the giving or receiving end of generosity, you should thank God. He's the original giver. So no matter what side of generosity you find yourself on, whether you are the giver, God, thank you so much that you have blessed me so that I can be a blessing. Or whether you're the receiver. God, thank you so much that someone had a generous heart so that I could be blessed. God, thank you for supplying the need. No matter what side you are on, the original giver should always get the glory. Thank God he has blessed you to give. Thank God he's blessed someone to give to you. The question for the generous and the recipient of generosity is how can I show God that I'm thankful? Because it's supposed to overflow in thanksgiving to him. So how do I show him I'm thankful? The easiest way I found to show God that I'm thankful is to praise him through his practice. I praise him through his practice. In other words, if I want to say thank you, I do what he does. Love our child, Valencia Wilson. I talk about her all the time. And if you've been here long enough, you know the story. When Valencia was four years old, Joanne and I adopted her from the beautiful uh, island nation of Haiti. Uh, we love her. She has been with us now for eight years. My goodness gracious, time is just flying. Um, but when she first came to us, I had a difficult time trying to be her dad. Because unlike my wife, who is Haitian, man, look good, make the best food, so spot Jesus, hollage, grill, oh, jeez, lumbi, oh, Jesus. Anyways, what was I saying? Okay. My wife had me at a disadvantage as it pertained to our daughter because my wife can speak Creole. And I cannot. I was born in Carroll City. So I barely speak English well. I don't know if that was a shot or... What was that, Terrence? Okay, whatever. I'm 41. I don't care. All right. So it was tough because I was trying to communicate with this kid and she, man, listen, for all I know, she could have been saying all kinds of stuff to me. I was like, I love you. She's like, whatever. Who are you again? I just, I don't even know you. Had a hard time understanding one another. So, you know, I, I tried my best to learn some words. It just, it, man, the only, I think I learned, what was that, grungu? What is that, hungry? It's like, grung, bye bye, grungu, grungu. That's, that's like, I was like, I know I got to feed her. <laughs> it was tough. And it was hard because 
it was my first time being a dad and like I really wanted to be a dad bad and uh you know, I had all this love to give, and I'm like, man, I, I, want, I want a little human to experience the love I got to give. And as much as I want to give love, you know, you want to feel love too. You want to know that when you give somebody love, that they give you love. You want to feel their love back. And we had an issue because we did not speak the same language. So I was just trying to do stuff, man. I was probably doing, if I mean, I was probably doing too much. Like, I was being extra because, like, I was like, man, I just wanted to love me, man. Like, it's all I want. If she loves me, I'm good. And about a year in, man, you know, she was already going to school. Something started to change. She, she started picking up words here and there. She, she started to understand the things that I was saying, and I started to understand the things that she was saying. And I feel bad because we probably should have kept speaking Creole in our house because now she don't remember none of it. But I was happy because at least we spoke the same language. <laughs> After a while, I would give her things and I would do things. And as we spent more time together, we began to speak the same language. So she could say things like, Dad, I love you. Or she could say things like, thank you. Why? Because she was saying it in a language that I could understand. It took us a while, but thank God, now that we speak the same language, I know when my child is thankful for the things that I am doing for her. And I tell you that story because I want you to understand, when it comes to God, he expresses himself through his love language of generosity. So he understands you when you speak the same language. You want to say thank you to God? Be generous. Because it's a language that your heavenly father understands. That's why this verse says overflowing expressions of thanksgiving to God because if you really want to show God how much you love him you need to be generous to all of his creation when you love what God loves when you bless the thing that God loves when you give to the thing that God loves it's a way to say thank you dad thank you God you see today God is looking for believers that speak his language and what's the language of God? Generosity. It's generosity. So how do you know that, pastor? You're just making stuff up. No. It's one of the same things I said when I started. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he... You want to tell me generosity is not God's love language? Because I, I love it. It doesn't just stop at he gave. What did he give? His only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. What did he give? His what? His? His what son? God gave us the best of what he had. He gives us the best of what he has because God loves you and me. He gave up his son's life 
for us. If you want to speak his language, if you want to speak the language of God, it's a life for a life. I wish this would resonate in somebody's spirit. You want to speak the language of generosity with God, you want to speak his language, it's a life for a life. His life for your life. The difference is, he's not asking you to die for him. He's asking you to live for him. A life for a life. Will you be generous with the life that you've been given and give it all back to God? God doesn't want a tenth of your life. He wants the whole thing. Some of y'all have been giving God a tithe on your life. That is not what he wants from you. He gave you the best of what he had with his son. He wants all of you. He wants all of you. Will you give it back to God? Because the truth is, you can't live in the blessing of his generosity until you realize your entire life belongs to him. It's not your, my life, God. No, it's mine. You were bought and paid for at a price. It's a life for a life. My son died for you. Will you live for me? That's how you live in the blessing, generosity. You want to say thankful, you want to say you thank, you, uh, thank you to God? Be generous with your life. Give your life to him. You, you can't, I'm not. I could care less whether you give your money in church or not. It's not going to help you if you don't give your life first. Your life is what matters. I love money to come into the storehouse so we can keep blessing the community. We've given hundreds of thousands of dollars away to the community since our inception. That's all cool, but on my born day, the thing I want you to understand, that there was a price paid for your life, and God wants your life in return. I don't know who I'm talking to, but if this is the last day that God ever gave me to live, I pray it points back to Jesus. I pray that somebody, maybe you don't know him, or maybe you have and you've been running away, it's time to be generous and give your life to him. With every head bowed, every eye closed, my call is simple and my call is clear. I want Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I've never known him. I've been running. I knew him. I haven't been living right. I'm tired of giving God a percentage of my life. I want to give him the whole thing. A life for a life. He died for me. I want to live for him. If that's you, on the count of three, listen, I'm not asking if you need finances. God can bless that. I'm not asking if you need healing. Listen, if you don't give your life, it does not matter what he heals you from because the life that you give now is the, is the key to have access to eternal life in him. A life for a life. You want to have a heart for generosity. You got to give your life first to Jesus because he gave his life to you. On the count of three, you want Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you want to give your life 100% to him. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand here or online. On the count of three, don't worry about what your neighbor's doing. They ain't going to take your place in heaven for you. Don't worry about what people think. Let me tell you something. What people think doesn't matter. It's only about what God thinks about you, and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are amazing. You are awesome. He loves you so much. He gave his life for you. 
One, two, three. Hold your hand up high enough and long enough for me to see it. Come on. Don't be scared. Hold it up. Hold it up. I see you and 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 you. I said all those yous. Keep it up high enough and long enough. Come on. Do me a favor. Don't be scared because 100% ain't scared. If your hands up, stand up. If your hands up, stand up. Come on. Jesus says, you deny me before man, I'm going to deny you in front of my father. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're standing up, you already did the hard part. Come down here. Come down. Come. I want to pray with you. Come. Come. Everybody standing. Everybody standing. Everybody standing. Come. 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 standing out there. You say, man, I ain't brave like them. Oh, God, so proud of y'all right now. It's a family. So you ain't got to do nothing alone. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, hey, if you're scared and you want to go, if you're scared, I'll go with you. Just look at them. Say that right now. We a family. And if they say, yeah, just grab my hand and walk them down. Come on. I just want to make sure. I want to make sure as many people go into heaven as possible. That's what I, oh, see? Come on. I love it. Yep. See? I knew it. Yep. There's always more. God sees you. God sees you. Yep. See? I knew it. God bless you. Proud of you. Proud of you. I see you. Somebody with sneakers that nice got to go to heaven. My goodness gracious. <laughs> I love it. Best birthday ever. Praise God. Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart he is raised from the dead. I see you. Come on. Confess with your mouth. I love it. And you believe in your heart. You're saved. Don't let anybody take that away from you. People are like, oh, you ain't saved. I see you last week. Say, shut up. No, don't say that. No one here. No one here. People try to look at me all the time. Oh, I can tell by the way he dressed. He ain't no real pastor. Shut up. That's what I say on the inside. You don't know my heart. God knows my heart. In the words of the great American philosopher and poet, Tupac Shakur, only God can judge me. Forget what people say, because they can't judge you anyway. Amen? If you're out there in the audience, reach your hands towards them, because they need your support. Maybe you want to reach your hands to heaven if you're down here. And I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I've sinned. Not proud of it. But I admit it. Today, I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness. To take the place of my sin. I ask that you would accept me, Lord, into your wonderful family. Today, 
today. I give my life, give my life completely, to, completely you. to you. 100%. 100%. I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Got hands, baby. Carol City. Let's go. Um, <laughs> if you made that decision, I want you to know that we love you. And you're a part of the family. See that sign, welcome to the family? That's you. Got family all behind you. It's a gift I want to give you. There's a Bible in here, WWJD bracelet, a note from me and Pastor Joe. And if you got questions, because we ain't scared of questions, we may not have all the answers, but if you got questions or you want somebody to pray for you, it's folks, they're going to meet you outside, they'll pray for you. So in a moment, they're going to cheer for you, y'all going to walk that way. And I know my team is going to like kill me because I messed this whole thing up. But if you came to get baptized today, come down to the front right now. Because I'm going to send all y'all out to the same at the same time. If you can't, some of y'all might already be down here. But if you can, oh Jesus, come on. Come on. Oh, I love this. Oh, I love this. Oh, yeah. Good. <laughs> so I'm going to release. I'm going to release all of y'all at the same time. Maybe you say, I didn't pre-register for baptism, but I, I said I was going to give Jesus 100% and I want everybody to know. Baptism is a public confession that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Why we get baptized? One, Jesus got baptized. So we do it out of obedience. Two, when Jesus got baptized, the heavens opened up and an audible voice of God came down and said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. When you are obedient to God in baptism, God is pleased with you. He's pleased with you. But three, it represents something in us dying and something being reborn. When you go down in that water, it says, I'm leaving this old stuff behind. It's not saying I'm perfect. It's just saying I'm leaving this stuff behind. And I'm trying my best to do what God has called me to do. When you come back up, it's like you're reborn. And nobody can take that away from you. The beautiful thing about us seeing it is we get to hold you accountable. And it's not a house of judgment like, oh, you got baptized, you better tighten up. No, 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 no. It's like, hey, bro, hey, sis, I know what you believe. Let me walk with you. Let me help you, man. You ain't got to do this by yourself. I know it's hard. Hey, I need you to help me too. It's a loving family environment. We do it together. So if you say, man, I ain't come prepared to get baptized, I want to get baptized. We got t-shirts, towels for you, changes. If that's you, you can come right now. Or you might already be down here at this altar, all right? So I just want to make sure if you want to get baptized, you can come, all right? But on the count of three, I can't open up the, the ceiling to show you, but the Bible says when one comes back to the Father, there's a celebration in heaven. They turn right now. They going crazy. Can't show it to you. I want you to hear what it sounds like because they're going to cheer for you louder than you've ever heard. So on the count of three, y'all going to walk that way and we're going to scream as loud as we can so that they know they are supported by all the heaven. Y'all ready? One, two, three. Let them know. God loves you. Let them know. They're amazing. Let them know. They're sons and daughters. I'm the most high God. Let them know. Please. Let them know. Let Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, 
please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.